listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, when I hear about war strategy... One of the things that was very popular uh, in wars past and, and still in an improvised fashion in these days is the idea of a landmine. The enemy holding the ground that it wants to hold will take explosive devices and put them under the ground where they can't be seen with a detonation device so that with just a little bit of pressure, an unknowing enemy soldier would step on the trigger, igniting an explosion that would harm many around them. And so you hear the, the, the notion of, I feel like I'm walking through a landmine because I just feel like I'm just going to step on something and it's going to blow up and it's going to take me and everybody around me with me. What's really foolish is when you get to a, man, a, land, a minefield and you decide, well, let's just go on and cross it anyway. Even though we know there are landmines out there and we know chances are great at the very next step, it's all going to be over. That would seem kind of foolish unless where you needed to be was from point A and point B was where you needed to be and in between you was a landmine. And so therefore you very carefully tiptoe as best you can to avoid setting off a bomb. Well, that's how I feel this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at three verses, verse 22, 23, and 24. This message is to wives, and it's being delivered by a guy who has no idea what it means to be a wife and who is probably not going to say it to suit your fancy. And so I'm probably going to step on it. And fellas, can I just tell you, I'm just going to take it for the rest of y'all, okay? Because I've been called to share God's Word regardless of what it says. So ladies, trust me when I say I'm trying real hard not to step on a bomb, but i got to say what God says, okay? I'm going to do my very best. To say what God says to the very best of my ability to explain what God means. But at the end of the day, if you're still mad at me, just know that it will only be a seven-day grudge because next week the guys are going to get it between the eyes, okay? I've already studied it out. I know what they got to hear, and it's way harder than what you got to hear. So trust me, go and get mad, but it's going to be short-lived because your, your man is going to get it next week, okay? So just trust me. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 22. When we get to this passage, Paul is is talking about living out the faith that we have. He's not talking about earning the faith. He's not talking about doing things that will cause God to approve of you. But rather, he's, he's launched out on the back of, of all of the instruction we have in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 that tell us who we are in Christ because by faith we've trusted Jesus 
through his death and resurrection by faith, we have been adopted. Jesus uh, in John three in John chapter three talks about us being born into the family. We've been adopted and born. We're a part of the family of God. We're heirs and co-heirs with Jesus. We're in the family. And Paul says, since you're part of the family, now God has instructions for how we're to live that out practically in real time. And that's how most of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches flesh out. He has a lot of truth up front. And then the remaining part of the letter is filled with, now since this is true, let us respond by doing these things. And so that's what we have in the book of Ephesians. So Paul has instructed us to live out our faith. Those of us who know Jesus as Savior. So this message is for believers, those who are a part of the family of God by faith in Jesus. And he says, I want you to live out that faith by pursuing unity first. In the body, we should let nothing divide us, let nothing keep us from seeing one another as part of the same family, vitally needing one another. Don't let race or or age or gender or, or any political division keep us from recognizing who we are together. And then he says, I, I want you to, to move over into the pursuit of holiness. Remember, the old man has been set aside. The new man has been applied through the righteousness of Jesus. You've got new life. It's freedom. You have the ability to to do and to be everything that God calls you to do and to be. And I've got all the resources you need to navigate that and accomplish everything that you need to do because you have the Holy Spirit resident within you now. So pursue holiness and identify anything in your life that may be a a, a residue of the old man. You need to set that aside as sin and walk in holiness. And then we talked about how that out of holiness, we're to walk in love. We're to live our lives in love, imitating God's forgiving love and imitating Christ's sacrificial love. And it's kind of on the basis of this love that he moves then to wisdom, talking about wisdom motivated by love. And that wisdom we get from God's word as we follow the life of Christ, we walk in the way of God, in the wisdom of God, according to the word of God. And then he takes that to an even more specific realm, and that is the home. For the next three Sundays, we're going to be talking about a worthy home, how to walk worthy of the calling that we have in Christ and how to put that to practice at home. We're going to talk about uh, fathers and mothers, husbands and wives. We're going to talk about children. We're going to highlight also how parents are to respond. And then we'll move on from there. We'll talk about a worthy workplace and and we'll keep moving throughout the book. But today we want to talk about a worthy home as it applies to the wife. Now I don't know about you, but home is where I want to be. Home has always and that may not be the case for everyone. When I was growing up, home was where I wanted to be. Of course, until I turned 14, 15, and then I wanted to be somewhere else, and it didn't always matter where I was. I just wanted to be out with my buddies. But really, that was only short-lived. That was a small amount of time in my life. I went through that. I just don't, I just want to be anywhere but home, and then I got out of my teenage stupidity, and I recognized, no, no, home's where I want to be, and now that's where I want to be now. Whether it is the home of my raising or the home of my dwelling, I just want to be with those people 
They're the closest to me. I hope that is true in your life. Although I know that maybe that was not true for you growing up. Maybe home was not a happy place. Maybe home was maybe a dangerous place to be. I don't know. But I hope the home that you're in now, especially if you're old enough to be a spouse and you're a follower of Jesus, I hope your desire is to live out your calling, live out your Christianity at home. I hope that's your desire because that's what God's called us to. And today we just want to look at what God says to those who are called wives. So let's look at the passage. Three verses. Ephesians 5 verses 22, 23, and 24. Wives, submit to your own husband. I just heard that landmine click. Like I feel like I'm standing on it right now already. I just heard it click and I need to probably just stand still for a minute. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. Boom, there it went. It just exploded. We're all done. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Those are three hard verses, especially for American-raised wives to hear. Because the words submit, the word head, and the word everything have all kinds of different meanings as far as your culture and raising and the course of our cultural development has brought to your mind. I don't know what you think about when you hear submit and head and everything, but I want to talk about what the passage says in the context that the passage is saying it so that we might get a better idea, uh, uh, as good an idea as possible, what it means for wives to walk worthy in their, in their relationship with Christ at home. So here's what we're going to talk about. Two big words. Oh, let me read verse 33. I don't, might not even have that up there, Miss Susie. I don't, might not have even given you verse 33. But I'll go ahead and let it out of the bag. It says, let each one of you talking to husbands love his wife as himself. And let the wife, verse 33 of Ephesians 5, let the wife see that she respects her husband. So we're going to talk about submission. We're going to talk about respect. We're going to talk a lot about submission and a little bit about respect. And then we're going to go home. Okay? Can we do that? All right. Remember, you're only mad at me for seven days. Because they're going to get it next week. Submission. Interesting. In verse 22, in the Greek text, the word submit does not even show up. So we can just take it right... Well, we can't because here's what happens. Paul instructing everyone, if you'll, if you'll give me a little latitude, and verse number 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. He's talking about if, if we... You'll remember last week, if we submit ourselves to the leading of the Holy Spirit, if we, if we give ourselves up to the control of the Holy Spirit, being filled by, being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then what it will, it will have an effect on our speech. We'll begin to address one another with positive speech instead of negative. If the Holy Spirit is in control of us, 
He's going he's to live that out. It's going to come pouring out. The fruit of the Spirit is going to come out of our life if we give him control. It's going to have an effect on our speech, how we deal with one another. It's, it's going to cause us to be giving thanks even in difficulties. And then that last thing it's going to do in verse 21, it's going to lead us to submit to one another in the body. What mutual submission looks like is I come to the table with an opinion and with an idea of what I think is best, and you come to the table with an opinion and an idea of what you think is best, and if we're both being controlled by the Holy Spirit, what he's going to cause us to do is to hold those opinions instead of closed hands with a closed mind. He's going to cause us to go, but you know what? My opinion and my idea isn't as important as what Christ wants. So I'm going to submit that what I think is might not be the best. I want what Christ wants. And if you're mutually submitting, then you're going to say, well, you know what? Me too. Maybe my idea might not be the best. And even though it's a good idea, maybe my opinion might not be the most helpful, even though it's a very strong one. When we mutually submit to one another, we're holding those things with open hands, both desiring to know and to do what Jesus wants, because what he wants is right and best. So on the heels of Paul saying that that the Holy Spirit controlling us will lead us to mutual submission, holding our thoughts and opinions and ideas with an open hand, then he goes and applies that very specifically in the home, and he says, wives, talking about submission in in the first verse ahead of it, wives, submit then to your own husband. This word submit is a voluntary act of subordination. It's a voluntary. Think about, uh, think about the military. Now, some of you have been in the military, and, and that's something that I, I do. I have a wish that I had served in the military. But those of you who served in the military, you know that you've probably had to, on many occasions, salute someone of a far lesser character than yourself. And you knew that to be the case because you saw how they acted in their civilian life and you went, you know what? You are a dirty dog. You're a scoundrel. You're a scumbag because I watch how you live. But what do you do in uniform? You salute because you're not saluting the person as much as you're saluting the stripes on his or her uniform. So when Paul talks about submitting, he's talking about a voluntary act of subordination for a purpose. In, 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 the, in the scripture, a lot of times this idea of submission is it's recognizing an ordered structure. So with the military, you know that's an ordered structure. Let's bring it into our world again at the workplace. You know, sometimes you have to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Sometimes you have, we had that conversation not too long ago at my house about having to do something that somebody that ain't got a clue what they're talking about and you got to do it. You know why? Because on their, on their title or on their little desk plate, it says boss of me or whatever it means. So they got the authority and you have to do it even though they ain't got a clue. We get it. It's a voluntary act. So it's like, oh, I wish I didn't have to subordinate myself to you because you're a numbskull. But you know what? You're my boss, so I'm going to do it your way. It's a voluntary act. 
We subord, subordinate ourselves because of a recognized structure. Now, if you go back to last week, we talked about marriage basics. And we went all the way back to Genesis and, and we saw that God created the marriage relationship, that dynamic between man and woman in the husband and wife category. Not male versus female, but the husband and wife situation. God created the man specifically and uniquely and showed him that it wasn't good for him to be alone because he had, according to Rocky Balboa, gaps and, and, and Adam, like Rocky, needed an Adrian. And her name was E because you got gaps and I got gaps, but together we don't have as many gaps as we. And that, see, that's just Bible right there. God went, Adam, I made you with, uh, uh, with, with, with less than I want you to have, but I don't want it to come from you. I'm going to create a strong helper who's going to be strong where you're weak and going to be delicate where you're strong. And together you will make up this community union, one flesh, depending on one another. And that's how I want you to relate to me. That's why the body is so important. That's why uh, Lone Ranger Christians don't work. God made us for community and it's seen most specifically in the marriage relationship. But if you follow out God's plan for the home, you'll see that God made the man for the purpose of leading in the home. Not because he's better, not because he's smarter, not because uh, he's got more to offer than she does. Just in God's design, he created the husband to take the lead on behalf of you both. And so this idea of submission, and what Paul is saying is that you recognize that God created a structure, an order for things, and, and, and I'm going to apply walking worthy as a follower of Jesus to this order. And he says, wives, I want you to voluntarily submit yourself to your own husband. Not disconnected from him, because remember, the man shall leave his father and mother and, the, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Me and you together. But, but I'm, I'm putting the responsibility on him to lead on behalf of y'all. Not disconnected from you. Not you behind him doing whatever he says, just you voluntarily subordinating yourself to him. You know what Paul does not say? Because this is not a statement of inferiority. This is not saying that men are superior to women, so women must always submit to men because they are of inferior fashion. That's not at all what Paul said. Remember, we're talking about the home, the relationship in which you are one flesh, ma'am. This is what he's talking about. He didn't say that women, women are to submit to men in general. He didn't say that wives are to submit to men in general. Though unfortunately, 
Many in the church have given that idea that somehow a woman is a second class type of person. In fact, there have been times in the church where it's been taught that women are of a secondary nature. It happened in the patriarchs' lives and Abraham and, and, and Moses and others that lived in that ancient time. That's actually how they took it upon themselves. And then Jesus shows up and brings dignity to the females and speaks to women and interacts with them in ways that they thought we weren't supposed to and reminding us, look, I didn't create a greater and a lesser. I created a different for one another. And I want you to, cre- I want you to submit to your own husband, not to just men in general. Paul also said, did not say that, that wives were to do whatever he tells you to do. That's not in this passage. The passage doesn't say in the home, whatever the husband wants to do, she's got to do. Because a lot of the stuff that the husband would want to do is just just dumb. And that's just not smart. So that's not what Paul said. He didn't say you got to do everything he says. Paul also did not say that that, uh, the husband must approve of all of your activities. Because surely you wouldn't be smart enough to get out of the rain unless he told you to. That's not what he's saying. He never said that you've got to bring your desires to your husband and go, you know what, I I need to know if it's okay for me to think this or not, or if it's okay for me to pursue this. That's not what Paul said. He said, submit to your own husband. He also didn't say that, uh, that you were incapable of living without your husband's guidance. There's some of you who know that's not true at all. You're like, it's, Pascal, it's the other way around. I mean, he wouldn't know to get out the rain unless I called him. And he probably wouldn't have his phone with him when I called him. I mean, so you know that that's probably true in the opposite direction. God never said that you need your husband's tutelage in order for you to know how to be who God's called you to be. Husbands and wives are equal before God because they are one flesh together. Men and women equal before God. Neither one having more or less value. Each one coming before him equally. Just different. What he thinks talking about the husband is not necessarily the right thing just because he thinks it. That's not what God's communicating. He's not communicating that men will always be right and that women need men to help them find the right way. That's not at all what God is saying. In fact, if you're a wife in here, you should always share your opinion. You should always bring what you think and what you see to the table of conversation. Because guess what, men? You're lacking. God made you lacking in this category and you need her if you are one flesh with her you need her because she's got an insight she's got an opinion she's got an ability to see things you can't see that doesn't mean you don't see the things you do but you need her and ladies wives young girls looking to be a wife you need to be prepared to bring your opinion to the table because it matters and at times you need to be willing to lobby hard for your opinion because there are going to be important things that God is giving you insight and 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 the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart and mind because he's just as easy to go down a wrong path and you need to be saying no no listen to me I, I I we need to keep talking about this and you know what really helps that conversation when you say we really need to talk about this honey 
I need you to think about what God says in, and I mean, you need to bring it to the book, wives. Lobby hard for stuff. I mean, be aggravated when you're about to make a decision as a family that is completely in the wrong direction. But you know what really makes it hard for us is when you bring the book into it and you say, look, this is what God's word says. And I just think it's not that we're doing what you want instead of what I want. I think we're going against God when we go that direction. You need to bring those opinions and holler them as loud as you need to holler them so that he hears you. Well, it's not that you don't have an opinion. You have a, you, you, you have a connection to God just as much as he does. And sometimes that needs to be loud. But according to, to how God ordered the stuff, when it comes to the final decision, what we're going to do, it seems to the best of my ability that God created the husband to speak on behalf of the family. It, it, it seems to me, because when we get to the kids, when we talk about kids obeying and honoring, you know what? I'm going to tell them that sometimes they need to bring their opinion loud. Because sometimes mom and dad aren't making wise choices, and they need, to, but they do well to bring the book into it. So at the end of the day, when the decision has to be made, God looks to the husband to lead. You know what's so, so unfortunate about so many homes is that the husband's never been taught that they're responsible to God to lead. And they just let things happen and then they take this kind of stuff out of context and they subject, you know, some ladies, I, I, I apologize. If you're having to lead in your home, if you're having to come with, I apologize for that. But even the husband you have, God's called you to let him lead. When it comes to making that final decision, Paul says, wives, voluntarily let him lead. Push all your chips on the table. Get it out there for everybody to see. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust me with him. You say, Pastor Kevin, my husband's not going to make the right decision. I can, I can tell him what the book says, and he's going to do, and it ain't going to be right. And it's, I, know, I know where this is going to end up. And you know what God says? He says, daughter, I love you. Trust me with him. And let me just ask you something, ladies. If you got a couple of children... And one of them's making bad choices and making it hard on the one who's trying to make good choices. Do you sit back and go, well, they'll figure it out? Or do you swoop in like a mama eagle and just commence to handling that situation, grabbing that one and get away from my baby, don't you? Yeah, you know what happens, right? And, and God's a better father than we'll ever be a parent. Do you think for one second, if you're coming to your heavenly father saying, God, I, I submit myself to you. I don't think this is right. But he's wanting to make a bad decision. So, Father, I'm going to trust you with him. Do you think that prayer falls on a deaf ear? 
not on your life. Ladies, you can trust God with him. Now, God might not work at the timing that you think he ought to work. He might not work out the way you think he should at, at, at the day that you think. But God's in control. He sees exactly what's happening. You can trust him. He says, submit to your own husbands, verse 22, as to the Lord. You're looking at him and you're submitting to him But really, who you're submitting to is the bigger one standing behind him. You're saying, okay, honey, I'm going to submit, and I'm going to submit. That's what we're going to do. But who you're really submitting to is the infinitely larger one behind him, who's perfectly capable of taking care of him. In the way that is right and correct, as to the Lord. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. You say, man, it makes me mad, head of me. By the head of me, I got my own head. Look, 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 look. I get he's not worthy to be your head. Ladies, I'm going to give you a chance to say amen. Your husband is not worthy to be your head. Say it. Amen. You can say it. It's okay. We know it. Come back next week. I'm going to prove it. We're not worthy. But Christ is worthy to be the head of the church. You know how we know it? Because he gave himself up for her. And God says, okay, in the, in the process of transformation, in the gospel work that I'm doing in your life and his, I'm I'm in the process of sanctifying you so that you each look more like Jesus than you look like yourself. You sound more like Jesus than you used to sound like yourself. You you do things that Jesus would do rather than the things that you used to would do. So, So I'm in the process of sanctifying you both. And I get he's not yet who he's going to be. So I want you to I want you to submit yourself to him, but really you're submitting yourself to me. Because I've given him a responsibility that he ain't prepared for. To look like Jesus. And he's going to have his own stuff. But look, I've put him in that place that looks like Jesus being the head of the church. And Jesus is infinitely interested in the well-being of the church. In fact, Jesus did everything he did. For the well-being of his bride. Now, Jesus is worthy of being our head. Because he cares more about us than he does his place that he set aside. Not holding it because he deserved it. Setting it aside. Putting on humanity and dying for our sin. Putting it on himself so that we might be made righteous. And, And ladies... As God does a work in your husband, he becomes more and more worthy of his responsibility that God's placed on him. And God just says, I just want you to, I want you to submit to him voluntarily. Let him lead when it comes to the point of the decision making. When a decision has to be made, I want you to let him lead and trust me with him. 
But I wrote down five things that a wife is not required to submit to. I want you to consider these. Five things. Number one, ladies, don't submit if your husband plans to do something illegal on your behalf. God's never called you to let him break the law on your behalf. That says you're making a decision that's clearly contrary to God's word. So don't do that. And if you think, well, there's no, there's nothing I can do. Well, let me just invite you. Let someone know. Let me know. Let, let me be an advocate for you. Let somebody know if, if submitting to your husband means your family's about to partake in something illegal. It may not be illegal, but it's unethical. And, and ladies, wives, you need to say that to him. You know, he's going getting ready. He's talking about the decision he's about to make. You need to use that word. Illegal, honey, that's illegal. You need to use the word. It might not be illegal, but it's unethical. What your, your idea is going contrary to the ethics that God has given us to follow. What about immoral? It may not, you know, you say, well, what's the difference between immoral and unethical? I don't know, but there are two words that mean similar things. But they have different connotations. Well, that's, that's just, that's immoral. That's not, that's not okay. You need to use that word. I, honey, I feel like if we're going in that direction, that's going to put me in a place that I'm acting in an immoral fashion. And I am not okay. He needs to hear that, ladies. Don't submit to immorality. Don't submit to, un, to uh, something unethical and certainly not illegal. Abusive. His decision is going to be abusive. You're not to submit to that. You're to speak up and speak loud. You're not to submit to things, and I hesitate with this. Let me go back to abusive. If you think something's abusive, you also need to let somebody know. You tell us that. We need to come to your side on that 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 one needs to know look your wife said that you're being abusive the decisions you're making has abuse connected to it and we just need to let you know that ain't okay we're thankful for the sheriff we have in this county who'll tell you that ain't okay he'll handle it y'all don't want to go to grady's house but if his decision is tell him that's abusive and then tell somebody else. Let's walk with you. And then <clears throat> the last one, the thing, and, and I, I have to be careful with this one. Things that are clearly, <laughs> you don't have to submit, ladies, I don't think, to clearly things that are stupid, foolish, or dangerous. Now, you know, again, I have to be careful because there's probably a lot of things he does that you think are stupid, okay, or, or foolish. The idea is that it's clearly, this is a dumb thing. This is, this is a dangerous thing. But again, it needs to be something that you'd be willing to tell somebody, listen, I think my husband's about to make a stupid decision on our behalf or a dangerous decision on our behalf. But I will tell you, I went to my wife one time with a stupid and, and foolish and dangerous idea while she was doing her makeup in the home that we had completely remodeled with land and 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 it was just a convenient 
circumstance we were living in, and I went to her with something really dumb. It was, what would it look like if we sold this house and moved to Texas to go to seminary? And I don't know how we're going to pay for it, and I don't know where we're going to live, but I think God wants us to do it. That was, from a certain point of view, stupid, foolish, and dangerous. The reason I say it that way is because if, if you go all in for Christ... Christ will lead you into things that everyone will naturally think, well, that's dumb. And Jesus will say, I knew he's going to say that, but I want you to listen to me. And I want you to hear what, what I'm saying. So you, you understand what I'm saying? If it's clearly really stupid and dangerous and foolish, but sometimes what God's called us to do, again, I would say, be willing to tell somebody. Be willing to come and go, hey, you know what? Oh, okay, all right, look, I think that's a dumb idea, but let's get some counsel. Let's get some wise opinions around us, and, let's, and if he's, you know, if he's following Jesus, he'll be fine with that, okay? And that'll be, so don't submit to things that are illegal, unethical, immoral, abusive. And let us know about things that are stupid, foolish, and dangerous. But the submissive wife, when she lets him lead, even when it's not what she wants or prefers and thinks is, but when she lets him lead, she looks like we need to look as followers of Jesus. What does he say? Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Sliding it across the table going, that is, you're going to do something dumb. I've talked and we've talked about it, but you, it's okay. I'm going to submit. God... I'm submitting to you. you. You can handle him. And God's perfectly capable of handling him. There's a danger when we don't submit. Titus chapter 2, verse number 5. He's talking to, to, the, to the older women about how to train up the younger women. Uh, let me just ask that. <laughs> older women. That just Did y'all hear the landmine click? Okay. You know who you are, older women, okay? So I'm not going to point you out, but you're probably, you've got, you've at least got teenagers. Meaning you're older than these women that hadn't had kids yet and they're just newly married and they're just trying to figure it out. In, in Titus 2 5, we'll get to it eventually somewhere in our near history, future. Um, the older women are supposed to pour into the younger women. It's, you see, you younger women know, or you older women know, you didn't, you didn't know what you were doing when you were young because the older women weren't pouring into you. They weren't helping you know what to expect and what to think and how to process and how to do and be. So now that you're not young anymore, those of you who know you're not, uh, not me, but those of you who you know you're not necessarily young, it's getting worse. <clears throat> are you pouring into the younger. I mean, really talking to them about things they're needing to know. Paul's talking to them. He's telling them what the older women need to say. And he says, you need to treat, you need to teach them verse number five to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands so that the word of God may not be reviled. When wives embrace God's call to submit, they protect his word from ridicule. When, when the world sees a Christian wife going, okay, honey, 
I'm going to let you lead on this. I'm going to trust God with you. Then you, you turn a light on the order that God has put in place that's supposed to reflect him. You give a, an opportunity to look like God has designed you to reflect Christ. And all this, some of you are saying, well, what if my husband's not a believer? I love what 1 Peter 3, 1 says. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, even if some don't know the word, aren't obeying, aren't a follower of Jesus, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Embracing God's call to submit is the greatest form of witness to her unbelieving husband. Even if you've got a quote-unquote believing husband, all right, I'm just going to throw a couple examples out and let you chew on them. You've got a quote-unquote believing husband, but he's not a church-going man. He's not somebody, you know, I, I can be a follower of Jesus. The Bible never says I got to go to church to believe. Okay, fine. That's what he says. So, honey, I'm planning our all our weekends. I'm going to, you know, three weekends out of the month, we're going to such and such. You know what I think? I think you need to tell him, well, honey, I really would prefer to be in church on Sunday. I would love for you to be there with me, and I would love to be with my brothers and sisters because I need that. I need that. God's called us to that, and that's what I need. You need it, but I really want that. And he goes, I'm sorry, honey. That's the best day for us to go. We're going to the, when you fill in the blank. You know what I think honors God is when you go, okay, honey, whatever you think. You say, you telling me not to go to church on Sunday? No, I'm telling you to trust God with him. And then every weekend you got free, be where God's called you to be. Get into that women's group, get into that Bible study, but let your actions show him that you're doing what God's called you to do. You say, I want to give, but he won't, he won't let us get. I think we ought to give this much, but he's not okay with that. So it's not right because God says we're supposed to, and I don't. Okay, honey, this is what I think. This is what I'd like to give. This is what I would like for us to contribute to God's work. And I think it's, I think it's appropriate, and it's what I think God wants us to do. That's what I want to do. And I think we should do this, and I think God would bless us for it. Whatever you think. I ain't giving all that to you know how you know how those kind of guys are. I ain't giving all that to that. Just what Okay, honey. God, I'm gonna trust you with him. And I think by the actions you'll put first Peter three one to the test. It's not about him being great and you being small. It's about just voluntarily with all your chips on the table stacked up in the, in the order you want them stacked, as loud as you want to stack them, but at the end of the day, let him do what God's called him to do because next week you're going to find out. He got a lot of responsibilities on them shoulders that ain't near as strong as he thinks they are. And you trust God with him. That's submission. Verse number 33, chapter 5. As a, as a tag onto everything he says to the husbands, he says, And let the wife see that she respects her 
husband. You know, this submitting thing is doing more to build him because that submitting thing feels and looks like respect. And can I just tell you a few things about respect? Respect is what the overwhelming majority of men desire more than anything else in the world. They want to be respected. It's why middle school boys do dumb things. Because they want to be respected. It's why guys look around and say these words. Hey, y'all, watch this. You know why we do that? Because we want to be respected. It's why we bow up at one another. It's why we put the arms down. It's why we do all that. Guys, we want to be respected. One of the easiest ways to disrespect one's husband is not letting him lead. That's one of the biggest ways to say, I don't respect you. You're incapable of doing what what God has called you to do. That will destroy the man's heart. And you know what often will come out from that? Anger. Well, watch this. Wives, your husbands need you to demonstrate respect to them because that's what they want. They just want to feel like they matter. And that's stated in terms of respect. When submission is just relinquished to a decision, it's what I want, but you're going to do what you want to do anyway. That's not submission. Or if it's followed by pouting or withdrawal because that's what I wanted, but I'm going to submit to you, and it's followed by the pout or the I'm not talking to you for the next. That's actually what I do, not what you do. But... I'm not talking, I'm going to pout, I'm going to withdraw. And that's not submission. And respect is absent. Men are strong on the outside, but fragile on the inside. Women, you're delicate on the outside, but most of you are Sherman tanks on the inside. Men, Strong outside, weak inside. Women, delicate outside, but could bite the head off a rattlesnake on the inside. That's typically how it works. Wives, you minister to your husbands by building him up on the inside through verbal respect and visible submission none of which have anything to do with him deserving it, but simply as an act of worship to your Lord and his. Speaking with respect, building him up with respect, talking about how proud you are of him and what he does or 
maybe what he's trying to do and failing miserably, but you're building him up in that visible submission when everybody who knows you as a family knows you're smarter than he is. You bring way more to the table than he does, but you let him lead and you build him up with respect. You know what you're doing? You're worshiping the God who created you to be something that we can never be. And it's beautiful when it happens. So some thoughts, some questions of application, just two of them. Wives, how does your understanding, or what what was your understanding of submission like when you came in? Does it meet the call of the God you have to trust him with your husband? Like as you're processing, what does submission look and sound like? Does it meet up to what your God's called you to do for the purpose he's called you to do it? To build him up, to reflect the character of your son, to reflect the submission of the church. Today would be a great day for you to just let God sort of redefine for you what he means by submission. And, and, and that, that takes me off the hook. That I, well, I don't have to tell you. He tells you. He shows you and he builds through his word. And then second question. Wives, are you right now actively seeking to build up your husband by showing and demonstrating respect to him? Not because he deserves it. Not because he warrants it but because God's called you to respect him on behalf of him. Are you actively seeking to build him up? I just got to believe that when you do, he'll act more and more like he's supposed to and a whole lot more verses than we had to explain to you. But just like I'm going to tell them next week, they got to follow Jesus as godly husbands, no matter what she does. The same thing's got to apply the other direction, right? He's a dummy some of the time. It's not about him. It's about him. So ladies, if you got a husband, voluntarily submit to him. Every opportunity you have to demonstrate respect, I promise you, God's going to reward you. Maybe not now, but in that time for being faithful what he's called you to do. Amen? All right, let's all stand together. We're going to pray. The good news, I'll be gone all week, so if you're mad at me, I won't even check my email. I'll be at camp all week and <laughs> won't even see me again till next week till uh, I get to tell the guys what God says. So be praying for us at camp. Um, so if, if, if your kids are going to camp, know that I will be leaving sometime during the week to come back to be a part of the funeral and I'll come back, but the camp staff will be... I'll have all that worked out, so don't worry. Your kids won't be unsupervised 
but I had to make that trip. But just be praying for the Carsons. We'll let you know as soon as that uh, information is, uh, is laid out. Text her, send her cards. The call might be hard for her right now, but just let her know you're praying for her. You're with her. You love her. I know she'll appreciate that. Father, it was a hard thing to say to wives today. Uh, certainly hard for it to come out of my mouth. I pray that, uh, that you will speak to those that you've caused. Thank you so much for the women in this church. They are uh, they're powerful. They're strong, wise beyond their own understanding. God, they're so much a part of who we are. And we're thankful for them. We're thankful for the, the homes that are represented here and, and for how this is already being lived out in so many homes. And I just thank you for our women. I thank you for those that are, that are called to be wives. I pray that you'll help them to know your heart. Help them to see what you've called them to do and to be for your glory. And then, God, I ask that you will uh, use them as powerful agents in these homes. For husbands who are wanting to follow your son, for husbands who are, who are just completely rejecting their responsibility and doing their own things, I pray that you will use the wives of Oasis Church to be a powerful influence in the home, that you'll speak through them, that you'll use them, God, that you will uh, make your will known to them, and then uh, that you'll give us as husbands the wherewithal to recognize we're in this together, not greater or lesser, both and. Prepare us to be ready for what you have for us as well. God, we lift the Carsons to you. We ask that you'll be for them everything they need. Help us to know how to be your hands and feet for them in these days to come. God, take us, use us this week. Help us the desire to walk worthy, to live worthy of who we are in Jesus. For his glory, for the building of his kingdom. For it's in his name. And all the ways his church said, 